Let's cut through the mainstream financial advice out there. This is your quick financial tip from your rich uncle. Depending where you are in this journey, and I'll just quite frankly say that where your net worth is dictates some of the strategies that you're going to use. This infinite banking strategy is more for the higher net worth. When you start to get above a million dollars net worth, I think everybody should have some kind of a policy, even if it was $10,000 a year, something small like that. What's up folks, it's your rich uncle. Today we're gonna be talking about infinite banking. What the heck is this thing, right? So you've probably been typing in the word infinite banking into your YouTube feed and you probably get all these videos of these dudes up in the whiteboard and it like they're freaking like 30, 60 minute long videos. And I'm gonna try and break it down really quickly for you guys in plain English without it being all esoteric or a lot of numbers. Now follow me here. What we're doing here is a strategy that a lot of the high net worth and wealthy will do. Now, before we get moving to that direction, now, buyer beware here. What this infinite banking is using is whole life insurance where you squeeze the insurance portion just enough so you can still qualify for good tax treatment. And there's like a sort of minimum that you can use. Let's just call it 10%. And you overfund this thing with 90% of you know money and from let's pull it from it in the insurance salesman's point of view the way the insurance salesman gets paid is really on that insurance portion so typically what you're seeing most uh, insurance salesmen what they're doing is they're expanding that insurance portion to be maybe 30 50 60 percent plus of the entire policy so they can crank up their commissions the way it's done right is if you shrink that to the bare minimum, and there's a bare minimum that you can get that good tax treatment from the IRS, because the IRS categorizes this stuff as life insurance at a certain threshold. Um, before, back in the day, I'm sure you could have gotten like 0.1 or 0.01% life insurance and it counted and they are like, no, 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 you can't do that. So you start to make these rules so that all those hackers like you guys out there don't try and sharpshoot this stuff. But the key is to restrict it at the very least and then overfund it with you know, your money so you can start to have this reservoir of cash. Again, the benefits is once this you have it in this policy, it's a contract with this large life insurance company, one of the most secure companies out there for a pretty low return of investment. But that's not the point, right? The point is you put your money into it, then you take it out as a loan from yourself. Very similar to a line of credit or a HELOC you have the equity there in this case you have the equity in your life insurance policy and then you go take it out of there you take a loan from yourself essentially and you go invest it in rental properties or deals or crypto or whatever you guys want to do with that the other benefits is when you have the money in the policy it has really good asset protection very similarly to a retirement account and it's just a good way of uh, moving around liquidity as most accredited investors and affluent investors out there, which is why this is more for them. You know, they might have 50,000 in the bank. Now they might have 250,000 in the bank. They might go down to 10 grand, right? What this policy does for these people is allows them to kind of self-regulate their liquidity on their own. All right, so a question that comes up a lot is like, 
Sounds good. Sounds like a cool strategy. And you know, I'm kind of getting up there in terms of net worth. Where do I go? Well, we have a free e-course for you guys. It probably takes most people two to four hours to go through, but it really kind of digs into a lot of the concepts I talked about and implementation that I went into quick detail in this video. If you guys want access to that, go to simplepassacashflow.com slash bank. And a lot of times these days, I mean, you can go to any large insurance company to originate these policies. But the key is the broker, the salesperson, is the person ultimately designed the stuff. So we've kind of taken this in-house. We've worked with a handful of people that know how to do it the right way instead of the way that your, uh, your deadbeat friend trying to sell people on the the improperly configured whole life policies. For some of you guys that really kind of geek out on this stuff and what really turned me on initially when I first heard about the strategy back in 2015 was, you know, what you're doing, you're creating this container of money and when the money is in there, it's growing at maybe about 4%, right? But like we said, because we this is a bit of a tax loophole, you're effectively not paying taxes on this again. So depending on what tax bracket you're in, it could effectively be a 6% return when you take into account that you're not being taxed on it, and which is not bad. But then, you know, step two of this, this two-step is taking the money out, investing it. And of course, you're gonna invest in something maybe making 10, 20, 30% returns on your money, which is why you do it. But when you're taking money from this policy, you're gonna need to pay back a loan to the policy, to the company. And typically those interest rates you'll pay, maybe let's just call it 5% and there's different ranges on it. But if you're like any other smart business operator, whatever expenses you have should be a business expense on your taxes and therefore you should be able to write it off. So what I'm implying here is that, you know, I'm not a tax attorney or anything like that. I just use this stuff religiously and we help people set this up is maybe you borrow at 5%. But because it's a business expense, you're able to deduct that expense. So effectively, it's kind of like a 4% borrow rate. So if you remember, you're making kind of like that effective after-tax 6% and you're paying that 4%, there's a little bit of a delta here of 1% to 2%. And it's not amazing, right? But 1% to 2%, this investing thing is all about a game of inches, like football, right? If I can sneak out an extra 1%, I mean, it sounds a little bit like 1% out of 100, small, small potatoes, right? But when most people out there are investing for five to 10%, that 1% means you're probably beating them by 20 to 10% right off the bat, just by doing this little exercise, what we're doing here. So this is not a huge investment strategy, but it is an augmenter in what you're already doing. So think of it like a silencer on a gun. Guns, you're investing, but this is kind of the add-on and where you're trying to just, you know, make it a little bit better, augment a little bit things. And, you know, while I'm at it, I'm gonna add in a little rant about why marketable securities and the retail investments suck, right? Because you're always paying all these ticky-tack fees and, you know, it's not like you're paying 1% for that. Heavens no, that expense ratio is bullshit, guys. You're not seeing all the above the line expenses and carried interest being taken out. And this is why, like very early on, I was like, well, why am I making 20 to 30% returns of my money in rental properties? And if you want to go check out that video, go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash returns. Check my math on it. And I looked at, at my 401k mutual fund retail type of garbage and I was making eight to 10%. And I was like, well, what the heck? Why, when I do it like this, I'm making like three, four times as much. 
who's taking all my money? And like I said, when you're playing a game of inches, like football, you know, you can't be giving all like most of the gains to the house, to Wall Street, to the big all these big firms. And that's the difference between what we're teaching here on this channel is getting out of those normal Wall Street type of investments, implementing these little strategies like infinite banking and investing in real assets that produce cash flow and ultimately going to get you to financial freedom hell of a lot faster. I mean, maybe even five times as fast as the normal conventional stuff. So you're probably like, all right, sounds cool. How the heck is this thing used, right? Why am I doing this? So I'll tell you how I use it personally. So I go into a lot of syndication deals where the minimums are like $50,000 and I am really good with my, with my liquidity. I don't wanna have more than you know ten dollars to $20,000 in my checking account. Having more than that, making 0.01% is just silly. So what I do is I store the, the cash value in my life insurance policy and I kinda count a container where I keep this this liquidity but the nice thing is when it's in this container of my policy it's growing tax-free at about four or five percent so all right so I have about maybe a hundred two hundred thousand dollars of money stored up in my cash value and I might have another fifty thousand dollars in my checking account that I can pull you know some money underneath the, the carpet or in the uh, the couches so that I can go into a deal when it comes up but what happens if there's another awesome deal that rolls up right behind right I have my cash flow I can save, but I can't save for like that next deal that comes up maybe a two weeks, three weeks after that first deal. So what I do is I use the money from my cash value policy to go invest in that deal. And say another deal comes up, right? You know, deals, it's like rain. Good opportunities come all together and I can, t again, take more money from that cash value policy. And eventually I'll exhaust it at some point, but what this does is allows a good amount of buffer for me. And then say I've kind of went into a few deals, exhausted most of what I have in my cash value policy. You know, I make money, right? And a lot of you guys have jobs. So you'll start to replenish that supply over the coming months. You could pay down the loan to yourself in that policy. You could just let it go. You know, and I think that's where a lot of people have trouble with this mindset, right? They think that there's a debt there. It is a debt technically. But, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of you just banking from yourself. And this is what the banks do, right? The banks are always constantly lending money um, so they can make a higher return. So, you know, I've done this several times where, you know, maybe after six, seven months, I've kind of paid that money back and I'm kind of locked and loaded, ready to go. It's like you got a lot of guns and you got loading up a bunch of ammunition magazines and you're ready to go fight. And but in this case, it's, you know, investing, which I think is kind of cool. So a lot of you guys listen to this channel, you guys watch a lot of videos and you know, this is what really confused you guys because depending where you are in this journey, and I'll just quite frankly say that where your net worth is dictates the strategies that you're going to use. This infinite banking strategy is more for the higher net worth. When you start to get above a million dollars net worth, I think everybody should have some kind of a policy, even if it was $10,000 a year, something small like that. Some of the bigger clients are putting in a quarter million, half a million dollars every single year into these types of policies. But if you're under million dollars net worth, in my opinion, you need to take every single ounce of liquidity you have and put it into that first rental property. Check out this other video on the minimum effective dose of investing, right? And this is the kind of the groundwork to, if you have got $30,000, you buy your first rental property. But you know, this is where I think you gotta 
buyer beware, right? A lot of people out there are first off selling you garbage life insurance policy. When I talk about garbage policies, it's again, they crank up those that life insurance component to maybe 30, 50% plus so they can crank up their own commissions. And that's not what you're doing these policies for. And I've kind of gotten really upset with some of these like supposed like life insurance experts and they're just doing it wrong and they give this stuff a bad name. Um, Dave Ramsey, you guys know I'm not a huge fan of him. I think he's a great guy and I think he's trying to help out a lot of people, but he really kind of focuses in on helping out the lower net worth broke guys who are in credit card debt and don't make that much money, right? Very different from the folks that listen to this channel. But his thing, and he's kind of brainwashed a lot of higher net worth people into thinking this way too, is whole life insurance, don't do it, it's a scam. Um, just don't do whole life, instead invest in, do term life insurance and invest the rest. Now for lower net worth people, I think that this is exactly right and especially because those lower net worth people will only have access to the people who originate these kind of crummy designed uh, whole life policies. Again, the way the high net worth do it is they work with people who crank down those commissions, crank down that life insurance component so they can maximize that container size of this policy so you can overfund it with your cash. Very counterintuitive than what life insurance people want to do for you because the life insurance guys are trying to maximize that life insurance component and then also maximize possibly their interest rate that you're making in this policy. What we try and do, we try and minimize that so that we can overfund it because the way these policies work when you're configuring it is there's kind of three different levers here. The first is the amount of life insurance. The next is how much you can overfund it. The next is how much interest rate you're getting. So most insurance agents would be like, well, don't you want to get the most interest rate? You're an investor, aren't you? Right? You're a rich uncle. You're supposed to be getting yields and returns. Uh, where I'm like, no, my friend, like it's more, I want to decrease that so I can increase the amount of liquidity because that liquidity or that container size in my policy, what I'm going to go do is go take that and make 10, 20, 30% with my money. I don't care if I make 4% in my life insurance policy as opposed to 6%. whoop de doo on that. I don't care. Long story short, most life insurance don't have a clue how to really configure this stuff right the way that we do it for the higher net worth people. And another thing to be on the lookout for, especially when you're a lower net worth guy, you typically hang out with lower net worth people and it's kind of like a shark and a really misleading industry, you know? So this is how it typically works. You know that friend from college or high school that was kind of, you know, not the smartest person, but he could, you know, have some kind of gift of jab. So what a lot of these companies, these life insurance companies will do is they'll recruit guys like that to go and sell crappy life insurance policies to their friends and family. So, you know, what, what'll happen is like, hey man, I haven't seen you in a while. Uh, why don't you meet up for lunch? You know, it's been eight years or it's been two years after we graduated and you come down there, they have rapport with you and they sell you one of these crappy whole life life insurance policies and it just will be heavy commission and they'll get you something that, um, it'll be a small policy too. They'll, whatever they're doing, they're just trying to get you to sign up for something and these are kind of the bottom feeders of the life insurance industry. They're not configured right, and quite frankly, you should take whatever liquidity you have and not put it into any life insurance policy and put it to investments. So if there's one thing you take from this video, hopefully you've kind of learned a little bit what infinite banking is, but if you're under half a million dollars, certainly probably under a million dollars net worth, 
just start learning about it, but don't really start to geek out and implement it uh, until you get to those higher net worth figures. Again, this is all point of the minimum effective dose of investing in financial independence. Focus on the right things that are actually going to move the needle for you guys. Lane is not a lawyer, CPA, but the dude did quit his engineering job and now owns thousands of rental properties. Learn more about the secrets of the wealthy. Join our community at thewealthelevator.com club. And if you're looking for a longer form podcast, also subscribe to the Wealth Elevator podcast.